Welcome to Metaphysical. You've heard of levitation, mind reading, and supernatural abilities, but what about remote viewing? My co-host, the psychic spy himself, John Vivanco, has actually been tasked by government agencies to carry this out. In this Metaphysical episode, we'll be exploring what remote viewing is, how superpowers work, what ones have just been hyped up to get you to pursue them, and so much more. So join John Vivanco and me, investigative researcher Rob Counts, for a show that's out of this world. Join Vivanco. Just call yeah. me Vivanco. That should be like a cult or something. It should be a cult. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Never. Let's not get that conspiracy started in this episode. Exactly. Right. Oh. Bad enough we're talking about what we're talking about. We don't need any of that. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, let's do this. I mean... Heck. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, the when you get onto the subject of of superpowers, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of debate about this subject because, of course, like. There's things that we can't explain out there. There's there's th there's people that have done things that people have a really hard time explaining historically and or in modern times. We've heard stories of things. Uh, what's what's true and what's not? How How do you how do you weed out the the made up stories from the real ones and and this is this is how we've gotten to the place we are now where no one believes any of that stuff exists that it's that it's a um that it is human beings making stuff up that it is a conspiracy that that stuff is is true um or a conspiracy theory rather excuse me so uh, i think yeah what do you think about this john I, well i think that that people are, are driven to the corner here, ultimately, um, where they don't know what's true and what's not true, whatever's fed into their brain, you know? Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's claimed to be true will just use data points, scientific data points to guide a person to a certain belief or outcome and leaving out other data points. I mean, you, you can you can craft data in any way you want when you get right down to it. And, and I think we see a lot of that today in order to guide public opinion, to guide uh, the direction of thinking. And a lot of people know it. They smell it. They smell something wrong is going on. Whether Whatever side of the spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter. It's like across the board. And it's because people just use this right here. I mean, most people think of themselves just as a, a, a brain. The body's just to carry the brain around, right? They, they don't go into anything else. And, and the whole cognitive side, the whole thinking side is the side where we don't know what's true and what's false. We have false. We have to have evidence presented to us. And, and then we have to go through it and put things together to determine what's true and what's not true. But... I mean, you can take any of those data points and leave them away to guide people down a certain path. And we're stuck right now with that. Literally talking about every marketing campaign I've ever researched in my life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is right. actually, that is what marketing has been highly influenced from studying propaganda in communist um, right. and dictatorial countries. I mean, largely in the early 1900s when you know all of the 
PR was being done revolved around, you know, the Rockefellers and things like that. I mean, here we are, you know. Um, I, so, right. It's like you've got to be a lawyer. Like marketing yeah. is, is, is being a lawyer to convince a person to buy something, but in a phrase, in colors. And, you know, it's like McDonald's, for instance. They, they re fast food restaurants, just in general not just them, but across the board, they research what's going to pull a person in with color, with sound, with smell, what's, and what's then going to make get them out as fast as possible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's big money. So yeah. psychology is it's what it's all about. We have to so, step okay. outside of it. So um, we're going to get into a little bit more about remote viewing because you're you're an expert on this subject but i'm going to go over a list of common supernormal abilities that probably a lot of people out there may or may not have heard of most of them i believe people have heard of but i think it's good to just kind of go through these because you know again we're going to have lots of conversations here about what's real and what's not um so of course there's there's clairvoyance which is also known as remote viewing uh, but clairvoyance is maybe a little bit more broad because precognition and retrocognition kind of come in to play here where there's like seeing the past or seeing the future. Those have kind of been like subcategorized, but really it could all just be one through one thing like remote viewing, right? Um, a lot of people have maybe <clears throat> have heard of this or have not, but clairaudience. Clairaudience is clear hearing hearing perhaps in other dimensions or hearing things that other people cannot hear. Uh, hard to explain. Um, claircognizance. This is just sort of like clear knowing when people say they've had downloads and things like that, which, by the way, I hardly ever believe. Um, clairsalience. Downloads. Yeah. Clairsalience <laughs> uh, uh, or clairsalience, which is clear smelling, smelling things that aren't there somehow, right? Um, and then it, it goes on with like taste, which is... Uh, Claire Gustin, Gustin's or something. Oh, like I've that. had that before. I'm I'm yeah. super Claire Gustin's. You're you're super Claire Gustin. I am. I yeah. I don't know why. Some, like sometimes just... I'll smell or taste taste things mm. before I even know I will eat them um, later on. Yeah, seriously. That's I mean, really I'm interesting. Like I make it for me. It's not. It's not. It's not like I. I um. I have a flavor in my mouth. I go, oh, I'm going to have that later. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to make it for myself. It's that only if it's prepared for me and I don't know it's coming, I will have You'll get it. Gustin's. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then, okay. Then we've got some more common ones, right? Like um, telekinesis, for instance, which is moving objects without touching them. Um, you know, Yoda lifts a spaceship from the swamp, for instance, right? So um, we've got like teleportation. This is people moving uh, objects or themselves to another place entirely. They're teleporting themselves. Um, then there's telepathy, ESP, mind reading, uh, ESP between two different types of beings, uh, levitation and flying, right? Astral projection, which is different from clair uh clair viewing or remote viewing because in astral projection you're actually going there like your body is there right or or a version of your body is there something like this right um and when i say version it could be your spirit or some type of version that we're not or, or some type of 
instance of your body that we don't fully understand or that science can't explain. Um, the ability to heal other people has historically been a thing where, you know, people with ailments come into contact with another person who claims to be a healer and they get healed. Um, have you heard of this called this ability called Bigu? I've never heard of that one. Bigu is Chinese for um, fasting, but it's not fasting like Jesus fast for 40 days in the in the in the desert. We're talking about like never having to eat like you. Oh, that's something... like, um, um, right. What, what is it where they just soak up uh, the sun? What is it? Um, yeah. Oh, that breatharian. Or a breatharian. Right, a breathitarian. Yes. Breathitarian, breatharian. It was a, maybe it is breatharian. I don't know. I thought it was. Um, but yeah, or, you know, people claiming that they just, they need to, they just don't need to eat, that they haven't eaten for seven years or, or crazy claims like that, which, I mean, may or may not be true. Maybe they brought something with them. I don't really understand. And when I say brought something with them, I mean, into this life, I don't understand that, right? But, um, and Nidia is another word for that i think in India, that's probably more on the um southern southeast asian or southern asian side of things um then there's transmutation which is like turning metals into each other creating water from scratch out of nowhere um then on the martial arts side this is kind of interesting there is the the hard qigong which is an indestructible body. Basically, your body can't be penetrated. You get hit with Chinese stars, any any kind of thing, and your body it like bounces off of your body. Or right. you can use that to like destroy rocks, for instance. If your hands are that strong, you punch a rock, the rock explodes, right? Um, invisibility, then there's shape shifting, super strength. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big list. I mean, out of curiosity, before we get in, we're going to kind of give some explanations for some things that don't really exist or, or exist the way that people think. Uh, but have you have you come into contact with any of these things in, in your time here on, on planet Earth? Well, I mean, well, first off, it's, it's really um, these are such all the categories are are they cross over. There's a ton mm. of crossover. It's like I agree. Like, you almost can't tell the difference sometimes between two categories. Um, and like I said before, I mean, Claire Gustin's, yeah, um, I've had that quite a bit. But see, this was stuff that developed in me um, after remote viewing a whole bunch, like being in remote viewing. I've had seriously what I thought was probably teleportation occur to me. I mean, I don't know for sure. Something happens in remote viewing with bilocation where you're like, you know, you're sitting here, you're writing stuff down, you're remote viewing something, and all of a sudden, it's all gone. And your eyes are closed, but this is all gone, and you are in a scene completely 100%. And one time when I was doing that, and I came back, I was with a bunch of other remote viewers because we were in training. I had burn marks on me. I had burn marks. At the end of the session, like I, I was, I was running down a street on fire. Like, you know, I was remote viewing this, and and I felt hot, and I and I and I was looking around, and I knew that I was in Dresden during the firebombing, World War II, and and so my monitor like like pulled me back and made me end the session because I started freaking out, and 
all the other viewers, remote viewers that were in training, stopped what they were doing. And they looked at me and I had burn marks. And I thought I was there. Like, I thought I was there. I thought I was in this city on fire, right? Because that's all I saw. And it's, it, it, so I had these burn marks on my face, on my neck, and the viewers were tripping out like I was on fire. And then about 15 minutes later, they just kind of went away. That's exactly it, the picture right there. I mean, that was, and that to me, okay, so look, that's called bilocation. But the weird part is that I had the extra added dimension of having a physical effect and thinking that I'm there, right? And being so clearly there that I knew I was in Dresden, even though I was blind to it. And that was the feedback right after. It's like, okay, well, you just remote viewed the firebombing of Dresden. That was your task, training objective, right? So, so, so this stuff, I mean, we're talking like some kind of psychic teleportation that affects the physical body or could even bring an aspect of the physical body, a, a harder energetic about the physical body along with you. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, this stuff happens. This stuff happens. I mean, even when you get to, um, meditation, like I lived for like about five years, five, six years in a Zen center, you know, I was just meditating. Um, and it was just, it's just meditation. It's all it is. Right. At a certain point in time, what happened was that I started to be able to sense what was behind a wall, right? I, I could, I could, but it was not nothing that I chased. It was like, I, if there was somebody, if there was somebody or anybody in a room, I could feel them. I could feel them in there. Right. And it was so clear. It was like this other sensation that I never felt before that just started happening randomly and out of the blue, randomly and out of the blue. I didn't chase it. I didn't do anything with it. And then it gradually just went away. It's like these type of phenomena. If you're in, if you're involved in remote viewing or you're involved in just lots of meditation, you're going to have phenomena. Talk to anybody who does meditation over on a serious basis. Like it's just going to happen. But if you chase it, I don't think that's the right thing to chase it. It's like, you know, what's your purpose in, in doing it really is what you got to ask yourself. But yeah, this stuff does happen. And I don't think they're superpowers. I don't think they're superpowers at all. Some people may disagree with me. I think anybody can do this, but it has to do with the mind, the, 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 uh, not the brain, the mind, the whole mind that you are, the whole energy. Yeah. The field. body and mind, the one entity yeah. that is you, right? Yeah. 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 And for those of you at home that are, you know, trying to grasp what this might be like, like by location, um, you could just think of, uh, of Stranger Things, where when Eleven, she, she remote views in that, and everything becomes dark, and she's in a place with whatever it is that she's trying to remote view and kind of experiencing it. And then those things have actually reached out to her, like seen her, whatever it is, too. Like, that can happen. Yeah. But John's instance there, that is an incredible story, like the having a burned face after, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting about this too, this, this image that we're pulling up, which is of 11 floating in a tank. So float tanks are known to help get yourself into a, me a more meditative state so that you can remote view better that it, like this idea has been, you know, 
in our history, they they believe that they were doing things like this in, in Montauk and some None, other places. They were. They were. Right. They were. We have yes. we remote. They were using float tanks in part. They were using a lot of different things, but they were using a lot of float plant tanks and they were using children. Yes, yes, they were using children. That's yes, not that's not fiction. That that that's it's a thing. Not fiction. And um yeah, it's 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 really interesting. They also used this idea in the minority report where they had connected like five or six different precogs, they were called, um, people that could do remote viewing, and then they were powering them up together to be able to understand. Actually, the minority report is fairly accurate when we start discussing what remote viewing is. Did you want to tell people a little that bit was, about that? Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about Philip K. Dick, you know, the guy who originally wrote Minority Report. I mean, he was he was such a futurist that he was actually remote viewing, or somebody was feeding him information. Which yeah, one yeah. was it? Um, that's you. That's but, you on the poster there, not yeah, Tom right. Cruise. Right. You know, when we when we were like, I'd say back around when that movie came out. Actually, you know, we had already been working for a while. Um, my think tank. Um, I was working in a think tank, and then it was later on. Um, uh, I started working as a remote viewer one. Then I started running it with uh, with another person, and that movie had come out while we were working it. And so we had like, I mean that at that period of time we had a we were going on TV shows like CBS Sunday Morning, um, and junk like that, right? You know where they you do, they do these like magazine style forty five minute pieces on on you, um, and and they would always bring up the whole Minority Report thing, the Sunday London Times like did this thing in, in their insert Sunday insert magazine. It's so ridiculous. Like people don't even like do this stuff anymore where it was like, they focused on the whole thing, comparing us to minority report, you know, it's right. so, it, I mean, it's, but it's, it's how popular culture understands what it is. They, right. they it's, it's hard for people to understand things unless there's a movie about it already. Right. <laughs> I know that is, that is how our, it works. Right. Yeah. What? Bewitched? What the? <laughs> That's funny. The, the One of the first instances of, uh, of, of television here, kind of bringing these concepts in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it was like remote viewing. I had not been interested in remote viewing before um, or psychic stuff before I got involved with remote viewing. And to be honest, like, I don't even know why I got involved. I went to art school. Right. I, I, it, it was like I I played in bands and I went to art school. My life was not anything to do with psychic stuff. I meditated. I didn't care about psychic stuff. I didn't even think I was a psychic to begin with. I don't think I was. Um, so I, well, I and, just. And also, it's kind of like what you said, like everybody, are they human innate abilities and some people just have a little bit more of a keen sense of them, or is it just, is it as specialized as people say, you know? Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of debate around this. I mean, some, some people, some researchers think that it's got to do with genetic, with genes. Um, and I do believe there's an aspect there. Um, you know, for instance, IONS, Institute of Noetic Science, Edgar Mitchell um, created that foundation and they've got some facilities around one big one in California. And I've, I've, I did some work with ion scientists just way on the edge on the periphery, um, where I was helping them, um, 
understand how to task remote viewers on um, specific aspects on a project related to, um, uh, gosh, what was it? It was trying to understand the, the implications of people who had a specific gene to understand if that gene led to psychic functioning, right? Because they were doing this research with a geneticist and all this stuff to try to understand what, what, what um, LLs and what genes do psychics have that could be in common but regular people who don't claim to be psychic have. So they feel like they identified uh, a specific gene. And I think there are others as well. And, and I don't think that's all of it though. I, I think that a person like Edgar Casey, for instance, who may have been born with this, um, Nostradamus perhaps, um, Heather, Nostradamus. my partner perhaps. Yes. I mean, she's like a like prophecy central kind of thing, right? Um, I think that there is some sort of genetic, a combination of genes that work together in very specific ways. That is a little bit of an aberration from other people. But at the same time, I also believe that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it and it atrophies. You know, I, Dr. Julia Mossbridge, a good friend of mine, actually did a study, a paper on this, on, on how certain genes will retreat. Um, psychic, the genes around psychic functioning will retreat and close down if a fam, if like throughout your family life, the family members stop using it. If they stop using psychic functioning, that gene will gradually atrophy in a sense or disappear mm -hmm. or do some other combination of LLs. So there's a lot to it. And I don't think it, it's not just genetic. It's not just genetic because I think that people can learn it and not everybody's got the gene. I mean, I, I don't know how many people I've trained, thousands of people, thousands of people at this point. And there hasn't been one person, one person, well, maybe one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, definitely one. But literally, there probably hasn't been one person who can't do it when you get right down to it. And actually, probably even that person may have just been. That's what I mean. That's why I went else. back on that, right? It's like even that person had relevant data right. at a certain point in some of their training sessions. Like so, they probably were just getting in their own way. And that's what you find out is that the more people are up here, yeah, the more people are up here, the more that they're going to be in their own way. And that's always what happens if someone is so cerebral, they're going to they're gonna lose it. They're going to miss it. So there's literally not been one person that hasn't been able to do this. And it can be developed to greater and greater capacity uh, by practice. It's exercising a muscle. It's a mental martial art, you know? Right. And also, you know, what's really the, uh, interesting about the whole gene conversation is like, why, yeah, why can't it be both? Why couldn't it be the genes are connected to whatever is going on inside of your body and, and, and that's what you're seeing when you're looking at those right. genes. But like people's cells regenerate like every day, right? Your cells exactly. are constantly regenerating. So if your mind is changing and your cells are regenerating, aren't your cells also manifesting whatever changes you've made inside of your mind and your body? And so kind of anything is possible. I mean, if you start, I, I, I agree. I mean, you, you, 
there's things that you become sensitive to when you're when you're meditating, not in a bad way. But if you like the people that usually have issues is if they start pursuing those things, you know, right. and when actually, um, you know, that that's kind of where th some of these things get a little bit dicey, because when you start talking about, you know, things like um, manifesting, right? And things like that, um, you know, all of Wall Street does this. They have they yeah. have like, you know, vision boards and all of this stuff. And and they're trying to see the fortune before. And that entire book, The Secret, is based off of this, where people are trying to manifest these things into their lives. And they don't understand that there is an equal, equal exchange of energy whenever you're right. doing anything. So if you're trying to manifest something into your life, you have to understand that there is something that you like you have to give. I mean, this is just the basic law of karmic you know, it is so true. Karmic. And why it would is. you want to manifest material wealth? Well, and what are you giving to manifest that material wealth right. and why? Right. So right. like, why not just like the a higher form of this is, hey, um, I'm going to trust the universe has their best interest for me and allow what's going to happen to happen. And and, you know, guaranteed you're going to end out end up better like this is interesting like jp morgan once famously said that millionaires do not need astrologers but billionaires do you know jp morgan said that um and i mean that's what's interesting is there why is astrology considered a pseudoscience you know it is for the it, it is for the regular people it's a pseudoscience for the regular people but it's been and it's been framed that way. Like people right. are looked down if they're into astrology. And hey, I'm not really a lot very into astrology. But when I hear people that are into it talk about things, I can very, see how very precise. Yeah, they can be very precise, and I can see how it it helps them make an understanding of things. And uh, you know, over time, I've I've criticized it less because at first I was just like, wow, what is this? Right? Like that doesn't mean anything. But that also could be because I'm a Libra. Okay, well, John, uh, we've been talking a lot about a lot of cool stuff. Let's back up a minute um, and we'll have a conversation about what remote viewing is. But before we do that, if you all at home are watching us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to whatever platform that you're watching us on uh, so that we can um, get more followers and so that more people can see our, our shows. All right, so John, tell us, what is remote viewing? Yeah, that, you know, that's a, it's a simple thing and a complicated thing. Um, simplifying it is really, it's a way to get information that's not in front of your face on anything. Um, and it was developed by Stanford Research Institute, 1970s, because the CIA was, was funding them uh, to try and understand if they could use psychics as spies. And the reason why is because the Soviets, uh, they had heard the Soviets were doing something like that. So and what, what so year was CIA that again? Was, it was in the, it, that would have been in the late 1960s. And then in, mm. in the early, early 70s is when they started to have SRI, Stanford Research Institute out of Menlo Park in San Francisco, work on that question with Hal Targ and Russell Pudoff, who were both laser scientists. So, but, but the, the Russians were supposedly developing something around psychic spying. And, and the CIA or in, whatever intelligence apparatus was like, well, we don't know. I mean, they know that it's true, it's happening, but the public perception is like, well, we have to investigate this because 
if if the Russians are ahead of us on this, there's something actually to it, then we're going to be screwed. So we have to put money into it to invest. That's the public side, right? The the black project side is, yeah, yeah, of course it works. Let's just develop the whole thing. So they started to work on that. They brought in psychics like Yuri Yeller, you know, the spoon bender. Um, uh, Ingo he made Swan. an appearance in the Matrix. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Ingo Swan was one of their test subjects who, who did a lot of the ideation behind remote viewing. He, um, my favorite story about Ingo, I mean, he came up with the, with what's called CRV controlled remote viewing. You know, oh my is that, gosh, is that Ingo Swan there? No, that's, that's Yuri. Oh yeah. Wow. Look yeah. at that gaze. I know. Piercing. Yeah. It's piercing. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite stories about Ingo is that, um, like, he was a he was an artist. This guy was an artist out of New York, and he was very psychic. He was their test subject. He, the CIA, gave them three months to basically figure out if they could use psychics as spies. And they ran through all these different projects on on trying to. I mean, basically, like, tell me what's in the box in the next room, like five hundred times. That gets so dang boring to a psychic. You got to understand, it's like. You're going to get five or six right, and then the rest is just going to be downhill from there because it's just fatigue. So they would do stuff like that. And Ingo was trying to figure out a better way to do this. One of the problems with psychics is that, and you know, doing this type of, of, of like real research on it, was that you don't want to tell the psychic what it is that you want them to give you information on. Because they mm -hmm. can make stuff up, right? To keep things really clean, to, to, to really understand if something's truly happening or not. So Ingo had to come up with an address system, right? I can tell you my address, but you don't know what my house looks like kind of thing. So mm. Ingo, like, he's at, he's at three months. He's at three months into the program, and it's about to shut down. He's going to go back to being a starving artist. He had to come up with something. So... He went back to his hotel pool, grabbed a bottle of scotch, and just like was floating in the pool all night, drinking the scotch, getting totally drunk, and focused on the question. I mean, it's not a good idea to do that, but focusing on the question of what's the address system? And he finally heard coordinates in his mind. Coordinates, right? So the next day, he starts working out on giving coordinates and trying to convince Russell Targ and Hal Pudoff to give coordinates of random earth locations to the uh, other psychics that were working with them. They were a little bit hesitant at first because they couldn't explain it from sort of a, you know, quantum physics standpoint. Um, like they could explain any of it, but they had an so idea. I was going to say, and they can't explain anything. Like, yeah. Well, they thought they could explain things and to, to the people that they're working with, the CIA and whatnot, they had to explain what they thought the science was behind it. And I don't know if they could explain what that science was at that point in time. So they were a little bit resistant on that front, right? Um, of course. So, so, yeah, coordinates. So it worked when they finally tested it. It worked very, very, very well. And, and that was the development of CRV in that moment. Um, the protocol for remote viewing. That's what we use today, except we don't use coordinates anymore. We use just random numbers assigned to something that we're going to remote view. And then we'll use multiple remote viewers in order to 
uh, correlate data between them to build a picture of what's there. It's, it can be very precise. Right. So each of them is getting the same number, and then they all give you data back. And then basically from that data, you can get a, a bigger, better picture or a more accurate depiction. Because if one of them is totally outrageous and the others are basically the same, you kind of have an idea of, of right. what's right and what's kind of outlandish, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And you know the type of information that you get from good remote viewing is is what we call very low level information. It's it's basic low level descriptors, as opposed to naming the naming of things. Um, mm. When people start naming things, is when they're going into their thinking process, their conceptual process, and when they're just sensing and feeling is when they're on low level type of information. Well, and so, I think what's interesting about the history that you brought up too, that that remote viewing went through, how Stanford Research Institute kind of started it and it and it kind of began because the you know, this this the same Cold War kind of thing that's brought in so much technology to our country to begin with. But even even before that, the Nazis were experimenting with this back in the day in the in the in the thirties right. and forties. I mean, Hitler was like he had psychics around him all the time, like Maria Orzik and all of these people. A lot of people don't know this, but the the societies in which <clears throat> um were prevalent within the Nazis, like the Thule Society and 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 all of that, like th these were occult societies before they were national socio-political societies. They were they were literally like secret society occult things. And then they merged into into, you know, secret society. I'm mean, sorry, into um, socio-political stuff. Uh, Maria Orzik, oh, yeah. she was known to her psychic abilities were very strong and the longer her hair grew, the more reportedly strong her supernormal abilities were as well. Um, some people don't even think she was human, uh, but of course, you know, that's up for debate. Yeah. Right. And well, uh, yeah, I mean, did and, you know, <clears throat> please did go you ahead. know that certain aspects of remote viewing, like certain, certain aspects of remote viewing came from Scientology, oddly enough. I had no, yeah. I did not know that. Well, that would be in the methodology, like like remote viewing. There's an, a methodology later on. A methodology was developed um, called controlled remote viewing. That that was a series of techniques um, to take a person through gaining information. Just a string of techniques that you do on paper, and some of those techniques came out literally came out of uh, Scientology because some of the guys that were involved in developing it were Scientologists. Did, did those Scientologists jump on couches really happy like too and and go crazy? Yeah, like Tom exactly. Cruise. I, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know what's I, weird is uh, I used to live in Manhattan and um, there's this like one really big building. If you're walking down one of the streets, it looks like a theater and they have all these posters up and it's like it's actually like their office of Scientology in New York City. And it's like, it's bizarre to walk across one of those because you're just like, you'll stop and you're just like, why? Like, why? Like, how is this a thing? You know, right. I know. It's aside weird. from the fact they must just have a lot of money pumping through it. But even right. where does that money come from? I mean, you start researching that and yeah, there it is. <clears throat> yeah, that's and a rabbit hole. That's a yeah, dark rabbit hole. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, see those posters over there? That's kind of what I'm talking about. You can see them on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, really, really interesting. So um, one of the craziest things I found, even before I met you, was evidence of the of the CIA developing this and what they were using it for. And uh, I found this um, document that was the CIA experimenting with remote viewing um, by hab having subjects describe targets or objects in places they weren't told about ahead of time, just like you were talking. And this one really, this really caught my eye because they were having someone describe the Sedona area of Mars, which is where Cydonia, the face is. Right, Cydonia. Cydonia, yeah. yeah. And um, the story, like, look at this, like the, these are, these are like, there's the, probably the coordinates right there written down yeah. and below. And it says the planet Mars time of interest, approximately 1 million years before Christ. Yep. And, um, you know, it says here selected geographic coordinates provided by the parties requesting the information were verbally given to the subject during the interview. All right. Now, as you go down, they describe basically exactly what's going on on the planet Mars in the Cydonia area. And the fact that this race that was there, you know, look here, I want to say it looks like a, I don't know, it sort of looks like a kind of an oblique view of a pyramid or pyramid form. It's very high and it's kind of sitting in a large depressed area. Okay, now they describe a race that was basically at the at the end of the end in mars that mars basically the industry it seems had gotten so bad from whatever it is that they were doing they had to find another place uh in the universe that their race could thrive and so this was the entire um story basically going through very detailed you know, I just kept seeing very large people. They appear thin and tall, but they're very large, wearing some kind of strange clothes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This uh, is this is. There were there were there was more than one uh, race. So this viewer um, went into um, the tall, thin ones that were at the end, but there was another race there as well. Um, yeah. So, but this and, and this you know, is I mean, right on the pyramids. Yep, it's off the CIA yeah. website. Right on the CIA website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's the funny thing. It's like, I don't know, cognitive dissonance with a lot of people that there's an easy way to discount what the CIA has there, right? Um, because they're told to discount this kind of stuff in general throughout, you know, the large portion of society does. But as far as me, my team over, I've been, like, I've been doing this for about 30 years now as a professional. Um, we've tasked, looked at Mars, mapped out the Cydonia region with remote viewing, um, mapped out the history. Uh, <laughs> I think people here, the general public would be very shocked as to what <laughs> our solar system's history truly is. For sure. There is I mean, the Cydonia really, region. Like, okay, so, oh, well, pareidolia, that's not a face. No, it is a face. It no, is a face. that is a large structure that, I mean, we viewed the heck out of it. It's a, it's a, it's a collapsed structure, very collapsed in around the edges. There's pottery everywhere. Um, it's like an Indiana Jones adventure, if you were able to get there. 
You know, I mean, who wouldn't want to go there? I would, I, I would get on a spaceship and go there if I could, because I mean, we're talking about like that 10 year old treasure hunting boy vibe starts flowing through me. And it's like, how do I get there? I really, hey, need John, to I'll hold your whip, man. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's like Mars is incredible to view. I think person, I don't know why I feel that way, but Mars is incredible to view because there's tons of structures there, pyramidal, massive pyramids, bigger than the pyramids that we have here on this planet that we know of, um, just sitting there poking out of the surface of Mars. So I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing place. And this solar system, the history of the solar system is, is, is always been full of life. Wildly different than people think. Yeah. Yeah. And even even what we know or what people tell us about planets are completely different in real life than what we're being told about. Like right. you take Mercury, for instance, you know, not as hot as they say, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's not like some of the planets they even tell us are just gas, gassy and there's no surface. They have surfaces. Right. You know, like. <laughs> there's things going on on those planets. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, and but, here we are. Think you know. about this though. Think about all the moons we've got, uh, all the moons in the solar system. I mean, yeah. moons, it's really a lot of the moons are the places we should be looking. Why are we focused on the planets? Let's train our telescopes on the moons if we can, because that's where a lot of stuff is going on. I was going to say, yeah, like you could you could focus on Saturn, which, you know, I mean, Saturn is yeah. a bag of cats to begin with. That's a creepy moons. horror story. I'm telling you. That's Saturn a creepy is the, horror story. <laughs> Saturn is the horror story of the of the solar system, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is, well, you know, uh, OK, that's... so wait, I, I, I don't want us to get too far away from Mars because there's something I want to talk to you about before we end this particular episode and move on to our part two of this but you know there are people who have been approached to go to mars that i'm aware of okay now you're at home i'm not saying that's true i'm telling you what people have told me you know people that are are actually quite well known who have told me that they've been approached to get into basically a program to go to Mars where there are, is apparently more things going on on Mars than we're even aware of. Right. Um, yeah, I don't want to name names here, so I'm not going to tell you who said that. But what I do want to ask you, John, is if have you remote viewed that? Yeah, yeah. And are there potentially um, people, populations... Oh, yeah. Um, yes, are, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. 100%. There are human beings on Mars right now from planet Earth. And do like now, do they know about us or do they think Earth has been kaput for a while? Like, what's the deal? No, no, they, 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 they are from the Earth. They are, they are people from the Earth who are there, who, who went there from the Earth in our age because they're there to explore it. They're there to to set up a breakaway civilization in a sense, to go out further into the solar system. Really? So there are human beings, yes, that are- But why aren't we, we, being, why aren't we told that? Why aren't we told that, John? <laughs> do, I, do, I have, do I have to spell this out, Rob? Huh? <laughs> it's not, I'm not asking for me. Look, you pay your taxes, you go to work, you live, you eat, you die. That's all, you're, that's, all that's needed of you, Rob. 
That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more. Well said. Well said. <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah. So yeah. So but they're exploring. But but you know, science does a lot of wacky things, right? Like science. Right. There is no accountability for science in any way. And if you think there is, you're out of your mind because the fact that they can blast particles into one another um, in a particle accelerator when they right. know way less than you do. They're using theoretical science, by the way, three different types of theoretical science to blast particles against one another that could blow the entire planet up. And there's right. no accountability and or discussion going on to call them out for it. And you're telling me that science is, oh, oh, you just don't understand the science. Like, how about we try to understand the dangers before we get into that conversation first? Okay, but we know that science is doing a lot of, I, you know, dangerous or interesting things, depending on how you look at it. Is this a matter of them just wanting to explore different things, or is there more of a strategy behind the, them going to Mars and trying to set up shop there? Like, why, why set up a breakout civilization or have some of these colonies there? Are they looking it's, for it's, stuff? Or? Yeah, I mean, think about, think about the different types of resources that could potentially exist there that, you know, are, are kept hidden from the people of Earth in general. And, and, and think about just the, the idea of exploration, something that humans have always done as far as exploration goes. So, so if there's the means, then it's going to be done. And there is the means. There, there has been the means for a while because you have to think about the, um, the military industrial complex, the amount of money that they have, the, the amount of money that they get through taxpayer dollars as well as illicit beans and their technology that they've developed themselves and gotten from crashed gray ships or other locations, probably on the moon, and, and been able to move throughout the solar system. And that's what they've done. That's what they're doing. You think, you know, they're 100 years at least ahead of what we know currently here in at civilian least. land. At least. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there are humans on Mars. We've seen them in, in, in current time remote viewing. Very so. interesting. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, I hope everybody at home enjoyed this episode where we just started touching on what supernormal abilities are actually out there. And we reviewed a little bit about remote viewing because we haven't properly introduced John <clears throat> and his remote viewing you know, throughout our series so far. Um, if you're at home, please don't forget to like and subscribe to Metaphysical on whatever platform you're watching on. And in the second episode, we are going to get into real life historical examples of supernormal abilities and have some crazy conversations all around those and get into some of these hot topics that you guys want to hear. So um, until next time, uh, be vigilant and stay curious.